Welcome to the Lift Podcast. We hope our time together will encourage you in love, inspire and foster your faith as we teach one another from the foundation of God's Word. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for who you are and um, just how you introduce yourself to us over and over again and you pursue us and you pursue um, relationship with us. And Lord, we want to receive that. We want to to understand it as best as we can and, um, and proclaim it and confess it, confess who you are to ourselves and to the people that we come in contact with. And Lord, I just ask that right now you would be um, you would be talking into this mic and you would just be using our vocal folds and um, that we would be praising and worshiping you as we do this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Welcome back to the Lift Podcast. Today we are talking about confession. So we are back with, we're all here today. Christy's here, Karen's here. In the same room. Here, and I'm here. We're in the same room. Yeah. We're not on Zoom. We love Zoom, but <laughs> we like the same room. The podcast um, room. We're in the podcast room. We're in the podcast room. With our gaming chairs. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, we'll have some more podcasty, comforty, com- more girly chairs eventually, but we're getting there. Um, so, today we're talking about confession. And I just want to. Go ahead and list off the scriptures. There's so many scripture, but um, I just want to list off the scriptures that we have before us today. James 5.16 talks about, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Matthew 6.12 covers asking for forgiveness as we forgive. Um, talking, confessing about who God is is covered in Romans 10, 14, verse 11, and Philippians 2. 11. One of my favorites was the account of John the Baptist when he confessed freely, I am not the Christ, in John 1.20. In, John, in 1 John 1.9, it talks about he is faithful to forgive our confessions. In 2 Corinthians 9.13, it covers obedience that accompanies confession. And in Hebrews, that cut me off, what does that say, girls? Can y'all see that one? Hebrews 13.15. Thanks, yes. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices is God pleased. So this topic came up last March for me when I was sitting in a table talk listening to Christy talk about personal narratives. And this question popped up inside of my brain. What happens physically in our brain during confession? Of course, over the next couple weeks, I was too busy to sit with the Holy Spirit on it immediately. I brushed it aside and went on about life. But then about six weeks later, I was in a Bible study on 1 John, and as we covered 1 John 1, 9, this question resurfaced again. So I sat down with him and some sweet tea, and I listened, and There's so much scripture involved, but he guided me to review some college notes, some some anatomy notes of the brain, and stirred memories um, on a recent continuing education that I had to do for speech language. 
he just kept stirring this thought of confession and what it's ha- what is actually happening inside of us physically during the process. And I couldn't, he wouldn't let it go. Like it just, it kept resurfacing. Um, I used to believe that faith and science were in opposition of each other. And for a long time, I would go to school and do speech language stuff and, and walk away and keep that in a separate box. But he is showing me how all of it's for his glory, and he is allowing so much of science to be known now that points back to him. And then when I hear Christy talking about the same thing and research that they're finding, of course, so many people can look at it and, and not acknowledge him in it. But even as I'm sitting through these continuing as this year, I mean, he's there. So the overarching question that I have for all of us today is what is confession and what happens in our brains during confession? When I look at confession in the dictionary, the definition is acknowledgement or formal statement often but not always tied to a wrongdoing. But from scripture, there seems to be more about confessing who he is than wrongdoing. Um, One of the recent articles that I read, I found this so interesting. It said this action of confession, and this was not, this was a, a secular article. This action of confession in context of wrongdoing reshapes your brain and gives you the freedom of choice and the power to act. There is actually a chemical release of oxytocin that overrides and calms the brain versus the dump of dopamine when we are in sinful pleasure. So they were, in this particular article, they were talking about addictions of any kind, chemical or visual porn, that kind of thing. They were, that's what they were covering. Um, and they were talking about the dopamine dump and how that enjoyable thing draws you back in. But this article went on to talk about how the power of confession releases oxytocin that can override that. Isn't that our love? That's love. That's love. That's our love form. Yeah. Exactly. Like. <laughs> yeah. Wait, clarify that. Okay. So oxytocin is like what we release, um, like when when we feel love, like that. Or like even nursing a baby. Nursing a baby. Nursing a baby. That's that. Yeah. So it's the attachment. Um, that is the hormone in most relationships. Yes. So. And dopamine is the hormone that releases when we're doing something pleasurable of. It, sinful or not, sinful not, or not, yeah, exactly. dopamine is not right. If dopamine is not necessarily associated with that, no. But oxytocin is the bonding love hormone, um, mm-hmm. and it can so. be like this. Secular article is saying that it can override right. the dopamine. chocolate or a test. <laughs> yeah, that's, how, that's how we get hooked on our phones. Yeah, the, right. the, te- the text gives us a dopamine hit. Yeah. Yes. The dean. The dean. Yeah. But some texts can give us oxytocin and dopamine because they're they have that relational component and that like but the dean is the dopamine. Is the dopamine. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or for video games and you know our chairs. <laughs> <laughs> when my boys get like a kill on Fortnite. Oh, they play Fortnite. <laughs> they get a dopamine. They get a dopamine. Or they get extra yeah. points. I mean, Spirit was speaking my language when she said chocolate. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm tracking. I know at 2 o'clock why I crave chocolate. Um, so, science has given us more and more ways to study the brain. 
Technology now allows us to monitor blood flow and energy as the brain functions in real time. Another continuing ad that I just did put up this color map of the brain, and it kind of looked like it kind of looks like you know the United States maps that we studied when we were in elementary mm -hmm. school, and each state had a different color. That's kind of what this map looked like. It was of the brain, though. Um, and as I was sitting there, I've known this stuff for for I mean twenty years. I'm old, but as I was reviewing it again, I was just in awe of how he hardwired the area of the brain for voluntary speech to be as big as it is for one, because it's big in relation to some of the other areas of the brain. Um, it's in its own thing. Voluntary speech is in its own thing, but it's right next to the area used for voluntary movement. And both of these are close to the listening parts. So in school, they would say, that's why we don't say, don't run. We say walk, because the listening and then the story part is so close to the actual movement part. So when we say to a child, don't run, run is in that word, like, or run is in that phrase. And so their story part, their blood flow is so close to run, voluntary movement, that they don't listen. <laughs> really, they hear run. Really, they hear run. So when we say walk, though, that is confessing that and that they are like thinking it and therefore it's happening. They're in alignment. The, They're the in language alignment. and the movement. Yes. So when I increase blood to the confession part of my brain, the voluntary spoken part of my brain, I am bringing blood more accessible to my voluntary movement part of my brain, which sets me up to not be a hypocrite because I can say what I want to do and then do it. So for example, when I confess... I am not the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. I will more effectively live that out with my voluntary movement. When I confess God is sufficient for me, I more I set myself up to live out that I don't have to buy this or buy that or have this or have that because God is sufficient for me. So, um, I just, I've been thinking about this a lot. So I have a lot of questions. So, Kimberly, I have a question concerning counseling. What role does confession play in counseling? Is confession the final step? If not, what comes next? James says, so that you may be healed, not so that you are healed. Can you help us understand how confession plays in counseling? Well, you know, like you said earlier, confession can be an oral acknowledgement, a statement. And so when we were talking about this, I immediately thought of, uh, Revelation, I think it's twelve eleven. They were healed by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and so that passage for me um, informs a lot of what I see. I think in counseling, and Christy and I talked about narratives, and we're going to talk about that. You know, we have these false narratives, so we can even be confessing things over our life that are false. Mm. Um, Karen, you mentioned that earlier with Eve, even how she confessed that God told her to eat and not touch, but it was really only eat. eat. And so, you know, when people come into counseling, most likely, including myself as a client, we have these narratives that are false mm -hmm. and we are confessing them. 
you know, you know, we've all, most of us been in small group and you usually tell your story in small group. And I think I've been in 20 years of small groups and my story now when I look back on it was not always accurate. And now that I've done the hard work of my own therapy and with the power of the Holy Spirit renewing my mind, my narrative is much more accurate through the lens of my own healing. And so I am healed by the word of my testimony, mm-hmm. it's an, but it's an accurate testimony, mm-hmm. you know, because we take in our situations with our very limited mind. And so that's what I love about therapy is I get to help with the power of the Holy Spirit, help people process these wounds and then when they feel like they're done, we get to tell the story. We get to confess what happened, um, who God is, mm. who he was in the story. And it's so beautiful. I had a, a woman just two weeks ago go, talking through just a very, very difficult time. And sh- her thoughts around it were so confused and she had been blaming her spouse for years and so as we began to process the story she kind of almost like she woke up from a dream and said this part of this was my fault it wasn't all him and she just started weeping and started confessing it moved her I mean it brought movement in her body and her brain there was a release she confessed her part of the story And then later on, as she continued, you know, she kept saying, but where was God? But where was God? And then we kept thinking and processing. And she was like, he was right there. It was me that was distant. And like the whole story changed. And so she was able to confess more accurately who she was in the middle of the story, who he was in the middle of the story. Um, And then, you know, we confess his word over us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, even God gives me the opportunity in therapy with my Christian clients to confess over them who God says they are, mm-hmm. you know, because sometimes when we're in our wounds, we can't okay. even see. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I think confession is, is just incredibly um, powerful, but it has to be true confession because mm-hmm. we are all confessing things over ourselves and over our people that are false. Yeah. And we're going to do false narratives next, I think. Yeah. So it's going to be a series of false narratives. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's exciting. Yeah. So their confession and narratives are. Yes. Yeah. So right. connected. And it's the same part of the, the same part of the brain is used to tell a story as to confess. Like when they, and that was one of those things that that's why when Christy was talking like oh my goodness like but that's why I think it's such a big part of the brain like why he made it its own part and I mean it's like the speech the the voluntary speech part is only about half the size as the voluntary movement part and you think about I mean he talks about how powerful the tongue is but that's how much space in our brain like for the rest of like it's about half the size of the other one. I'm hoping we're going to be able to put the picture up somehow in an attachment to this, so people can see the the size. But but 
Okay. Um, so, Christy, we usually think of trauma as only times when we are the victim. But what about times when we are traumatized by something that we did, only to look back in horror and confusion? Can it be trauma if we are the inflictors? And so it's so it's so cool. Um, I love how Jesus like will give one of us one part of the story and the mm-hmm. other one the other part, and then you know he works it out to to be discussed over the course of like a year. <laughs> so he starts one part of it a year ago, and then yes. the, the next I have part had a really hard time waiting, but <laughs> yeah, I'm good. But, but I just got this part of the scripture this, this morning, morning, so you know it was. But, um, so in coaching group this morning, we were talking about, um, that the whole idea of whose perspective and whose lens are we viewing our story through? Are we viewing our life through? And, and when we try to view it and we have through our own lens, that's a small, you know, it's kind of what you were talking about, Kimberly, we don't have the whole big picture. And, but what God wants to do, and it's the name of this podcast, right, is to lift us, to love, inspire, foster our growth, which often comes in those difficult circumstances, and teach us something. And um, so, you know, when we look at our narrative through his lens, it's a much wider lens, and it includes the repair that he so wanted with Adam and Eve. So I know you're going to be talking more about that in a minute, Karen, but so cool how this morning, just this morning, we're looking at Peter's story and how, you know, Jesus says to Peter at the Last Supper, you're going to betray me. And he doesn't say it in a shaming way. He just says it as an observation of a matter of fact. And I think he does that so that Peter, he's setting Peter up for repair and confession ahead of time. Um, because then Peter does. He, he and, and it's right here. It's in Luke. Um, we can look at, at Luke um, chapter 22, verse uh, 54, and there's where, you know, Peter begins to deny Jesus when they had kindled the fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together. And so that's the first time he denies him. And then over the course of, I think they say that it's probably about three hours, he denies him two more times. And just before the rooster crows, um, the rooster crowed, and he denied him, you know, the, the third time. Well, he denied him the third time, and then the rooster crows. And Peter remembers what Jesus said at that moment. Okay, so that's Luke's account. Then you flip over to John, and you look at um, John. 21, 15, and this is after Jesus has been crucified and has risen from the dead, and he appears to his disciples again, and um, he comes back on the scene, right? And the and John points out like there it's Jesus, like Jesus, like Jesus is saying, hey, you know, cast your nest on this side of the boat. And, and John's the first to recognize him. Well, what does Peter do? He jumps in the ocean to get back to him. He's like, so that's the, 
And we just talked last week about the attachment cycle. You know, we were just talking about oxytocin, and oxytocin is a love hormone that, that pulls us into attachment. And so the attachment cycle is, you know, there's going to be disruption in the attachment cycle. It's the way that it was designed. But when the disruption happens in a healthy cycle, we go back to the secure base, and there is repair and return. And so Peter is so ready for that repair and knows Jesus is going to bring it that he throws himself into the ocean to get there. He's like not even waiting on the boat to get there. And then, so then what does Jesus have going? He's already got the fire going. And what time is it? It's breakfast time. It's the morning. I mean, and so this is why it shouldn't surprise us because it is the God. I mean, he is God and he created us, but like he knows exactly what he's doing. We've got the first EMDR session happening <laughs> on the banks of, you know, <laughs> the lake right there. And so he's he's activated the implicit memory. And, the and, and yes, Peter is the one who has... He inflicted, inflicted he's the inflicted the, yeah, he yes. is the inflictor. It's his failure. It's his denial that is so you know, that you know is the trauma. But he doesn't even have to retell the story there. And I think that's an important piece of it too, because sometimes when we retell the story, and and we're not, um, it's not necessarily like we. Jesus doesn't want him to retell. The failure, he wants to heal the trauma. But he hasn't confessing something. He hasn't confessing something. <laughs> he hasn't confessing, do you love me? Yeah. Yes, I love you. So it's the love that is healing. It's not, I denied you three. Peter, did you deny me three times? Yes, Lord, I did. It's not shame. He's not shaming him. He's loving him. And it's, that's the healing part of the confession. So it's not about what you did wrong. It's the healing that Jesus wants to bring through that he knows. I mean, he, he's activated it. He's like, he's very well aware of what he's done. Um, well, he told Peter he was going to do it. So it's not yeah. like, like, <laughs> not like that. Well, kind of like us with our kids. It's like, we know... <laughs> And he hasn't let I mean, me go. He hasn't let me go on something that I have been um, hesitant, and I haven't studied it. And I feel like I've come unprepared, even though I've been thinking about it for a year. Um, but as you're talking about him telling him before, the thing that he hasn't been able to let go of me on the past, probably since November, is Judas, and. What would Judas's confession of Jesus have been if Judas had just given him one more day, just 24 more hours? What would that have looked like? What would his confession of Christ have been? Because as you're talking about this, and we can try to find it, because I think it's important enough to find it. I haven't found it. I don't know. But I know that he looks at him at some point and says, go ahead and go do what, what you, you are going to do. And, like, I've always, I haven't always read that. I don't know that I've always read that correctly. Um, to, you know, but, but the thing that God keeps telling me in, 
in my spirit over the past few months is I'm big enough for anything. Big enough to repair anything. Anything. And And so, yeah, like, I just think looking at the difference between Peter returning and, and jumping in the ocean and, like, I just, I wonder what it would have looked like if, if Judas had just waited just a little bit longer, just to hold repair. on for a little yeah. bit longer for the repair, what that repair would have looked like. Um, but when I was running it by Christy earlier, like we were talking about that, that he gives us that choice. Like mm-hmm. he gives us the choice to, he's there. He's waiting. He's there. He's the secure base. He's he is the secure the, base. He's the ultimate. But he's not going to grab us by the ear and jerk us back over yeah. to, like, to reconnect. Um, Which, while, do you want, while you're looking for that verse, Sarah, I don't know, this reminds me of, we kind of talked about Genesis 3 a little bit, um, studying the story of Scripture and just figure out, like you were talking about, that he doesn't, you know, jerk us. But what I think is so beautiful when we look at Genesis 3 is that he comes to them at the regular time that they walk together. It, you know, it tells us in Genesis that they would walk together in the cool of the day. And so we see God coming at the normal time and... He already knows, just like Sarah said. He, it's not that confession is telling him what we've done, because he knows. Jesus told Peter what Peter was going to do. And here he comes, and he leads Adam and Eve through confession so that they can have restoration. We know that they have experienced shame. Like as soon as they ate from the tree, it says, their eyes were open, and they knew they were na- naked, and so they sewed fig leaves together. Um, so they had that immediate sense of shame that we all feel that causes us to go into hiding. And we see here who our God is, that he comes to us. He is there, but it's our choice to turn towards him. Um, and it just was beautiful for me to look at Genesis 3 this week, and even kind of see how the serpent, how the enemy interacted with Adam and Eve. He's there just kind of stirring up doubt and accusing and causing them to question the goodness of God. And then God comes to them not accusing. He comes to them, again, at the regular time and just draws it out allowing them to confess what has happened. Not because he needed it, but because he knew that that's what they needed. Um, So I had made some notes leading up to this that, you know, when those core lies take hold and and maintain power over us, that I've just noticed that there's, there's usually a couple of reasons for that. One is we're bringing with the lies like we're you know we're that's part of the story that we're telling ourselves like what you were talking about Kimberly is you know what is the story that we're agreeing with what is our narrative and then but then the the tricky thing is and Karen this kind of 
plays into what you were saying earlier, and I think you're going to talk a little bit about this, but that somewhere therein lies half the truth. Right. There's a little bit of truth somewhere in the lie. Well, like we see that when Eve is interacting with the serpent, um, that she has added to, God says only not to eat from it. But when the serpent comes to her, she says, you must not eat it or touch it. And so we see there, there is part of the truth, but she's also added another layer. And that's so significant because oftentimes we'll see that the enemy takes the truth and twists it. Or, I mean, or we do that, or we add to something. Um, and sometimes, you know, when, when we begin to agree it's in a place where we were younger and we weren't able to understand or we're, we were more vulnerable for some reason. Right. Yes. It's not always like an intentional yeah. choice. Right. Um, and, it, you know, the thing about Genesis 1 to 3 is we don't know the time lapse. Um, I was reading kind of a commentary on Genesis 3 this week, and it was just saying, like, we don't know the time lapse, but it could have been that by this point they've been looking at this tree and it's blooming for the like bearing mm-hmm. fruit for the first time. It's looking more attractive. Like, and I think all of us have probably experienced that at some point. That maybe we've heard something in the Bible like "Don't do this" or whatnot, and but over time maybe we add to it or it becomes legalistic. Legalistic. And so, yes, there's a lot that we don't know, but we what we do know is that she has allowed herself to agree with something that isn't completely true. And that puts her in a more vulnerable place mm-hmm. to receive the temptation. I'm doing the um, Armor of God mm-hmm. study, and Priscilla Schreier talks about the story and she says how the enemy twists it by saying what she couldn't have right did god really say it's right here you could not eat instead of seeing all that she did god really say all that yeah don't run (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. exactly yeah and how he says you know oh you are not you're not going to die in the sense of the physical right. death, like how, just like you're saying, like he's point, he's stirring up the doubt of saying God is withholding something yeah. from you. You know, it's so funny too. It just makes, and I mean, I know they're they're grown when when God creates them, but it just makes me think about brain development too. Even talking about that, um, just being younger and being vulnerable and not being able to understand when the lot when the enemy comes and right. you know start because we're gonna be talking about false narratives, but like I know a lot of my false narratives started when I was a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just you know, even pre verbal. But um, that's the place in our development where we're filtering everything through that lens of what does this mean about me. Mm-hmm. And that's a very, I mean, we're supposed to. That's part of our normal development. What does this mean about um, me? And if we, what does this mean about me? What do I not have? It Isn't it the perfect recipe <laughs> for 
confessing a narrative that is not, not true, true. true. That yeah. is not true about God. Um, and I think that's why we're here today. Yeah. Right. Because we've all got to be set free. Right? Yeah. He's got to realign all of us to his truth. Yeah. We, and we have to we have to get to the, the point where he has all the resources in place. And our timeline is not his timeline. And, you know, sometimes it's he puts this resource in last year and this resource in right. this morning so that all the things exactly. can come together. And, yes. Yeah. And, like, did you, did you talk about the half-truth part of it already? Did you already talk about that part? Yeah, that, that somewhere in it there's that, yeah, that there's half the tree. Okay. But we use that um, word because I think that yeah. was crucial for me just to use that word and realize that she was doubling things. She, he was adding things. But so many times he comes at us with half of it mm-hmm. too. And, and he can twist it both ways. He can he can add it, twist it, take away. And he can take away from it. And and um there's always holes in his story. Always. <laughs> the devil, always. not God. Right. Right. Yes. 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 And and that as we go back and realign and look at the whole truth and look at what scripture says and how, you know, it says in Romans that we're more than conquerors, that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And that as we start, as we realize we've been given the divine power to destroy strongholds, um, and we do put on that armor and start to use that sort of spirit and fight those battles that we are, you know, just really saying to the enemy that, um, I'm not going to cooperate with this right. anymore. Like I'm not, I'm done. I'm done with you. And yeah. And you're I'm done. boring and you're not creative. You're not creative. <laughs> you told me to say that you're not there. I didn't hear what you You're just really like, you just have different color bows. Yeah. <laughs> Same package. Same, Same package. Different color bows. You're um, lazy. part of myself that was duped because mm-hmm. chances are I was just a kid um, so I'm going to have self-compassion and I'm going to have I'm going to treat that part of myself the same way that Jesus treats Peter that I'm going to have that fire going I'm going to have breakfast ready and yes because you're going to imitate Christ yes because I'm going to imitate Christ and I'm going to be ready for yourself yes for myself and and my friends, right. and my children, exactly. Um, and as I'm called to serve, and I'm right. just gonna pour love on it. I want to read this just exactly how you wrote it in this step. Okay, I can believe the whole truth and nothing but the truth while having compassion for the part of me that was duped, and contempt only for the Father of lies. Yes, thank you for taking my text right. right. <laughs> that was <laughs> like I think I need to. Paint that on the wall. Well, and what I love about that is not only receiving that for myself and in those places, but thinking about, I mean, I just remember a conversation that Kim, Christy and I had and having compassion for the people that have inflicted things upon us and going, they were just a kid. Not even to just, I was just a kid. They were. Um, Yeah. And it wasn't that. I don't even know that I had contempt towards them. It was more just the hurt that I believed is truth. And going, 
they were just a kid. Like, they didn't even know like, what they, they were saying or what they were doing. Right. And so that's what I love even just about this is, yes, have compassion. Like, give ourselves the grace and the mercy that Christ gives us and give it to other people for just a, you know, yes. forgiveness. My bad. Just knowing <laughs> <laughs> that that we, the coin could have been flipped. Yes. Yes. Um. Yeah, I mean, I even if that. we aren't kids, because I've been wounded right. by adults. Yes, and I've wounded adults. I, but I was not operate. I was operating within half truths. Yes, and they were not operating with the mind of Christ. I think yeah. one of the best visuals that I got when I was doing my work with, and it, it wasn't. It was actually counseling, going to a counselor. It was nothing that she said, but it was a vision that I got was of a bunch of broken glass pieces Mm -hmm. with all these sharp edges Mm -hmm. because I was a kid when I received a lot of the wounds that I received and I received them from an adult but we were both broken glass pieces Mm -hmm. and we just bumped into each other and she scraped me and I scraped others and until he began to to toss me have you ever found a piece of glass on the on the beach that's been tossed by the sand until he had tossed me and smoothed out some of my, I was going to continue to scrape and inflict wounds and scratches on other broken pieces of glass. Yeah. But he smoothed that. that he's, he's continuing to, I'm not finished. He's not done with me. And, but I think I'm less sharp than I was before. Um, and And a lot of that has to do with the things that I confess about him. Thanks for chatting with us today, friends. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.